Hello and welcome along to the World Game Live. It's fantastic to have your company this Wednesday, the 24th of March, as it is my co-host coming to us from his home in Sydney HQ, where thankfully, thank the heavens, the sun is back out and it is shining. Nick Stoll, Akas Stolich, welcome to you, my friend. How are you, son? I'm very good. Uh, I'm very excited. Uh, you know what? I'm glad it's International Week. I have been a little bit sick of club football lately, and I'm glad that's why I got the Australia jersey on, the old Harry Kuehl from about 2003. We've got Mexico here. We've got Argentina here. Uh, I'm very big on the International Week. We, I needed it. We needed the international break, and I'm excited to it. I'm sure you are because, you know, with your bad news, good news segment this week, we'll always give you an opportunity to talk about Barca in glowing respect. So we'll save the best for last in, in your estimations. But I did mention the sun there. I want to give a shout-out to everybody across the southeast coast in particular here in Sydney who have just been absolutely decimated by horrible, horrible weather conditions. Sydney's big wet has seen thousands of families displaced and it affect millions of Australians in this particular region. So if you have have been affected by these torrid, torrid floods. All of us here at the World Game are with you on this. We send out our thoughts and prayers and make sure that you take care of your loved ones throughout this situation. I know it's the most important thing. You see terrible images and, and videos of people in their cars trying to make it through floodwaters. Don't worry about your car. Your family and your safety is the most important thing. And now, obviously, that the sun is back out, it doesn't mean that it is the end of this. Of course, now the cleanup begins. So if any of you that are watching, that have watched, that are loyal viewers of ours, here at the World Game Live. We hope that you're staying safe and taking care if indeed you are affected by this. But um, solidarity with our brothers and sisters who have been affected by such horrible weather conditions. Of course, we do have, thankfully, a massive show coming up to brighten up your days in addition to the sun from wherever you're watching. Let us know where you're tuning in from. We love to know. We've had people tuning in from Kentucky, from New Zealand, right around the globe. So we always love to engage with our World Game Live fans here on the show. So make sure you let us know where you're tuning in from. Good afternoon, of course, to a lot of our regulars tuning in. Kia ora and good afternoon from New Zealand. Hello to you, Kevin Chan. Great to have your company via Facebook. And um, and as I said, we've got a massive show, so make sure you engage with us. We've got some fabulous guests coming up. Western United star Dylan Perez, who's in sensational form, is going to be joining us shortly. We're catching up with a great battle dinosaur. Yes, that is the name that she's known by on Twitter, but we know her as the fabulous Sam Lewis. She does go to battle, but she's far from a dinosaur when it comes to the women's game. In fact, she's the one big breath of fresh air that we all love to revel in here on the World Game Live and she's going to give us an update on all things W League, the exodus it seems, I don't want to call it a mass exodus Stolich, but Stolich, but it seems as though some of their best players in the form of Gilnick and Polkinghorn have decided to go back to Sweden right before the W League uh, final series is due to kick off which is interesting but we'll get all the intel from Sam on that and the great Capetan Scotty Jamison from Melbourne City has agreed to come and join us at 2 o'clock later on this afternoon so make Make sure you get your questions and your comments in. Of course, we've already had a flood of comments and questions come through beforehand, so we'll make sure we keep them on notice before we get to them all. But I want to start off, Stolich, with some of the, the headlines. And um, this one really caught my eye earlier this week, and it's that African events have now increased the chances of Australia appearing in the Asian Super League. The question that we're posing to everybody is, would you like to see it happen? Now, this is something that Gianni Infantino and everybody at FIFA HQ have been highly opposed to in recent times, but we're noticing a bit of a shift now, given the way that or the, the pandemic has obviously affected situations. But could we see this Super League eventually come to light? And would you like to see Australia compete in it? So I think I would like to see uh, Australia compete in it. And I think actually it could work quite well. We had Danny Townsend on the show last week and he seemed to suggest that 
because at the moment it looks like the broadcasters who are trying to get the A-League rights, they want to keep it in summer. looks like the A-League is going to be in summer for a little while longer. So, okay, maybe we keep the A-League in summer. And then maybe after the A-League finishes, we can now participate in the Asian Super League during the winter time. It would align with the Asian calendar. My understanding is the other leagues involved, they have similarly short mm-hmm. seasons, often about 30 games. So then you could kind of, everyone could complete their domestic season, you know, in the summertime. And then we kind of move into the, the Asian Super League. That, it would mean more income. I think it would uh, engage, you know, kind of, the, the South Asian community, which I think would be fantastic. Um, more games, so the national team would be good for them. I think Football Australia would really support it. So it actually kind of does, you know, it's a new world and who knows what it's actually going to look like and you can't say you're in until you actually know what everything is going to look like and what the conditions are. But I think if done correctly, it could really tick a lot of boxes for Australian football. It's really interesting, and the way that it all kind of came to light was because Barbara Gonzalez, who is the CEO of Tanzanian team Simba FC, she apparently let the cat out of the bag. And for more info on this story, our journalist John Davidson has penned a piece for us on the World Game website, so head to it to get more info and um, and more context on it. But um, she let the cat out of the bag early this month where she said the rollout of the African Super League with 20 permanent member clubs is underway. We look forward to having Simba SC participate participate soon so it's Can a I really just say as a huge lion king fan Simba FC, <laughs> what a team so if someone if someone's from there get me a jersey i will absolutely 100 support Simba fc all day and timon and pumba as well <laughs> but um john goes on to say recent goings on in rabat have increased the chances of a southeast asian super league one that would contain an invitation to australia which is after all a member of the asian football federation the idea of australian clubs playing regularly in kuala lumpur singapore bangkok and hanoi has long been attractive for both sides as an idea and now the reality is a little bit closer given the fragility and i say that with great respect because i know that we're at a crossroads with the A-League in particular, when you consider the fact that we don't have any more assurances or guarantees on who's going to be the broadcast. I mean, we had Danny Townsend, who's the managing director of the APL, on last week to talk about, well, actually, we've got seven or eight parties that have come to the table that are quite interested, but there's still, again, no assurances on the calendar, on yeah. what these, you know, these seasons are actually going to look like going forward, particularly with respect to the broadcaster. But given our fragility, do you think that this is something that APL heads would be looking at in all seriousness? Yeah, absolutely. I think any chance that they could get to generate more income, they would be interested in. Any chance they can get to play more games and, you know, kind of further their brand, they would be interested in. They'd have to proceed cautiously, as we were saying, because obviously, you know, there's a lot of things to consider. Travel costs, uh, do you do it in a hub? How long does it go for? You know, how do you structure your contracts as well? Because obviously our contracts are structured. Uh, based on a lot of, you know, the A-League season finishing at a certain point, you know, pre-season, all that kind of stuff. But I think they would absolutely be interested. Um, but, again, it's probably, let's also be honest, probably a few years away at the very least. I mean, you know, we, we still haven't got promotion relegation happening in this country. We still haven't got a second division. You know, the fact that we could be part of a Super League, I think all this stuff is probably minimum five years away. But it is something that we should definitely be open-minded to and I think uh, get the most out of it. 
Okay, Katie Bayou. Hello, everyone. One of our regular viewers here uh, joining us on the World Game Live. Great to have your company via Facebook. Um, also good to see that we've got a few people tuning in. Scotty Lynch via Facebook also coming to us from Ballina, and he's a Western Sydney wanderer. Life is going good for you guys at the moment. Greg Thomas, this one's a good one, made me giggle. Tuning in from Melbourne where our active fans are treated like second-class citizens and criminals. I think that's the majority of football fans in this country, let's be honest. Uh, Murray McKee. Uh, great to have your company, Murray, joining us also via Facebook. Just having a Yangi roll and coffee in Newcastle. Beautiful. For the Novacastrians at the moment, given how things are going for the club. But we'll talk about that in our A-League wrap a little bit later on. One more headline before we have our next special and first special guest, Dylan Perez, join us. But the APL has made an announcement that it's appointed three commercial and marketing executives. The question we're posing is how would you like to see the game marketed to maximise success? We had this conversation with Danny Townsend last week, Stolich, in which we asked him, okay, where are they at with this marketing strategy? What could it potentially look like? And he alluded to there being big announcements to be made. This is, I'm assuming, the start of it. Of course, we've also seen that they've struck up a partnership with McDonald's, which is also hugely important. But how do we market the game? How do we get it out there? Because I'll tell you what, I was watching an ad on Fox Sports earlier this morning and it was a KO ad and it had Elise Perry, who's obviously a cricketer and known to us in the football community as a former footballer. It had Jason Tamalolo from the NRL and a few other identities across other codes, but nobody from football, right? So when we talk about marketing a game, the biggest problem that I have is that it's nowhere to be seen. You talked about the fact that being in your particular region, you're seeing a lot of ads for Sydney FC. I see a number of ads come up because I'm in the northwest. I see a number of ads come up for Western Sydney Wanderers, but it's on Instagram. Beyond that, we have zero visibility of this game, and it's not right for the players and for the fans. Yeah, I uh, agree. And I think in terms of how do you market the game, well, I think the game, the sport we know is very popular in Australia. Despite what, you know, the news court papers and the media might do, football, soccer, whatever you want to call it, is extremely popular here. It's the most played sport. When the soccer is played at the World Cup, it gets in the millions. It's one of the highest rating programs. When Liverpool, Manchester United, Argentina, Brazil, whatever, when they come out here, 100,000 people are at the MCG watching it. So football in this country... Very popular. So how do we market the game? Well, the game will take care of itself. How do we market the A-League? That's kind of the key connection. The first thing you should be doing is converting all those fans who like football and converting them into A-League fans. Now, how do you do that? We well, have to get them emotionally attached to their local club. That's one way. You have to get them excited about, you know, the young players coming through that we've all been excited about this year. You have to get them excited about the rivalries, you know, that they really want their team to beat this other team. I think those are the things that you really, that the kind of new commercial executives really need to focus. That should be their focus. Mm, a comment coming through from Ivan Stragan, one of our regular viewers here on the World Game Live. Number one, stop with the false narratives. Ivan, what do you mean by that? I'd love you to elaborate on that. It'd be interesting. Um, Tonka Tony, another one of our regular viewers here on the World Game Live. Welcome to you, Tony. Great to have your company, mate. He said, spot on, because no one has taken that piece of work. You need a project team to actually deliver this idea, not just a part-time marketing manager pumping money into Facebook slash Instagram sponsoring. It's true. We have to go beyond that. I know that appeals to a younger demographic who use that, but my mum doesn't use it. I mean, Corey went out to training the other day and he said to yeah, me, oh, is your mum going to the A-League? 
<laughs> she watches it for goodness sake. Okay, she actually okay. watches it, right? And yeah. I know she's on Instagram, but she's not looking. She's not putting those ads because we're in Canberra <laughs> and we don't have a team. But that's another freaking can of worms to open that I don't want to go into today. Come on, finally give us a team in Canberra. But the point I'm trying to make here, the point I'm trying to make here is that we're not doing a good enough job of promoting the product, right? So now that they have made these appointments, um, they've appointed a guy by the name of Ryan Sanderlands, Rob Nolan and Stacey Knox. They're supposedly being put into these positions to develop a new commercial and marketing function as part of the APL's ambitious growth strategy. I want it to be more than ambitious. I want it to be fruitful and I want it to be tangible, things that we can see, touch, feel and recognise as support for this competition and promotion for this competition because that seems to be the most important thing. Shortly we'll be joined by Dylan Pereas, who's not too far away, on joining us. Um, but one final note before we move on from this. I know it's only a short time into the APL having control of the competition, but how much time, and I'd love to hear from everybody else on this, how much time do we need to give them before we start to hold them to account on things? What's their grace period here? I'd say it's between maybe, well, you know, you can always ask questions for sure and you should always do that, but you need, you'd probably need to see how far they've gone in 12 months what kind of initial steps they've made. And then from there, kind of, the, you should start to see the fruits, I think, of this, kind of the plans they make in the first 12 months in the next 24 and 36 months. Mm, it's an interesting subject because I think in this short term, we're all sort of expecting great and dramatic results and we're expecting there to be a, a strong uplift since this unbundling has finally occurred. But I think it is going to take time. And we're in a situation now where, again, as I said earlier, there's still a lot of uncertainty around the state of the league and which direction it's going to be heading in. Off the back of Danny Townsend's interview with us last week, Stolich, were you given more positivity? Uh, I mean, did you glean that there is a lot more to look forward to based on what they're trying to put in place? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Danny speaks really well and, and there's at least kind of, and that, you know, that unbundling, it, it was a very ugly process and I guess no one was going to willing to put, you know, their money or, or the decision makers in place before they knew exactly how that process is going to work. Now we're past that. Now we've really got to start to see some growth. I think the time for excuses and all that is over. Now we want to start seeing, you know, the, the plans in place. And that's what we're seeing with, I guess, these three um, commercial uh, appointees. And then uh, let's see what they actually do. That will be the real kind of the important thing. Jesse McGann says they've got a year or so. Is that a fair assessment, Stolich? Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, you, know, you can't expect them to completely flip the league at its popularity within a year. This is going to take time. Um, but one thing I think is interesting is, I mean, one of the things you have to do, not only grow the league, but stop the slide. Let's be honest. I mean, I was looking back at some of the Melbourne Victory crowd numbers from season two. And you think season two, we had less teams and probably less money in the game and maybe even less kind of names around. Melbourne Victory was getting 30,000 people all the time to their games. They were regularly playing at um, Telstra Dome down there. I think it's called Marvel Stadium now. They were, they were I think, 50,000 when I watched them play Sydney FC. You know, st stuff like that. I know on the weekend uh, it was terrible weather and, um, you know, COVID and all that, but MacArthur Western United had 1,800 people. That's not a lot. Now, the, I've got to admit, the, the weather was absolutely awful. We have to say that. Uh, no, that would have kept a lot of people away. But, you know... We got to start getting these crowd numbers up. Uh, I know a lot of people are obsessed how with television. But how do we how do we do it, Stolich? How do we and and fans tuning in? Great to have your company joining us on the World Game Live. Shortly, we'll be joined by West United star Dylan Perez. 
tell us how do we get the fans back because that seems to be the eternal question the eternal mystery that we're facing here because so many of them are disenchanted with the state of the game the fact that they've been turned off over the years by the mistreatment of the fans whether you want to point to that as being the 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 be all and end all I don't know that that's necessarily it perhaps it's also the lack of marquee players um you know COVID hasn't been fantastic we know it's affected a whole range of sports but this is a slide that's been going on for some time what's it going to take for the fans to come back to the game I want to know if you are someone that was actively going to A-League games, what turned you off and what could it take to bring you back? Stolich, you? Well, so there's a few things I think that got to happen. Definitely for me, one of the key ones uh, is the act of support. Is, you know, not only, even if you're not in the act of support, it's the sound, it's the atmosphere that they bring. That is so important uh, to the game. So the act of support, the ma- not only that they are not kind of over-policed and, you know, mistreated, the fact that they are encouraged, that would be one of my first things. Uh, I think it's a good point that Eduardo Andres is making and I think uh, a few other people are making cheaper ticket prices. Now, you know, ticket some price. games some games are cheaper than others. I think Western Sydney had a game against Wellington. It was on a Monday night recently. I think tickets were going for like 10 bucks or something or two-for-one deals or free if you're a player or something like that, which is good, which is good, but you kind of need to see that more regularly because I personally have had times where I've gone, hey, um, you know, do you want to go see Sydney FC v whoever? And my friends have gone, how much the tickets? And it's like cheapest tickets are 25, 30 bucks, and then you're sitting in the worst seat all that kind of stuff. You know, if it's a hot day, you're not undercover. If it's raining, you're not undercover. All that kind of stuff can affect it. Um, you know, there, there is, people don't like to say it, but marquees, you know, that did, I remember going, because I really wanted to see Dwight York in the first season of Sydney FC. That's a big deal. We saw the crowds at Sydney FC with Del Piero. Marquees, although they don't save the league and whatever, they do get fans in, at least initially. Now, if you get them in initially and then the act of support is really good, the environment's really good, it's not too expensive, then people start coming every week and that's really what you need. Jesse McGann, you need higher quality football, more clubs that actually represents areas, etc. Stop having teams playing 50K stadiums when they can only get 5K fans to a game. Smaller stadiums would be better and we've certainly seen that play out. Absolutely. We certainly see that played in a much better fashion with respect to Sydney FC. I'd love to know if our next guest could solve some of the A-League's problems (laughs) now. He's been an absolute sensation. Lighting up the stage for West United, he's been in great form. I've absolutely loved watching him come into his own. The great Dylan Perez from West United joins us. Dylan, great to have you company, my friend. Thank you for making the time for us here at the World Game Live. I mean, everything that I said, you've been lighting up the stage for West United. It's been so great to see you doing so well. You got the goal last week which we'll see in just a moment but tell us how is how are things going we know it hasn't been that great form wise but for yourself personally you've been in great great form oh hey guys thanks for having me firstly um it's a pleasure but um yeah look you know obviously um i've been given a bit more of a chance and had a few uh like a run of games now and you know i feel like as you can see with a lot of the young players so far this year, if you just give them that regular game time instead of, you know, 20 minutes off the bench, one game here, bench the next, you know, I feel like the quality of the young kids really shows and, you know, in myself, uh, five goals now, which which I'm really happy about. And, yeah, I feel like it's just that consistent game time given and the, kid, the young kids can show what they, they're really capable of. And was that something, because we know that you came from Melbourne City where you you were actually, you made your debut at 16 years of age, which was just incredible. But is that something now when you reflect on your stint with the club in hindsight that you just needed more of, you just needed more game time? 
Um, yeah, of course. You know, I obviously had that game at 16 and then I didn't actually make an appearance for two years after that. Um, and I feel like for me that, like, that might have stunk my learning growth because obviously you need to play games to learn. And, you know, obviously I'm not saying I should have started every game, but just a few more games would have been would have been nice for my development and also, you know, just to show that, you know, the young lads can do it. Um, obviously, I played that game and I thought I did not bad and um, I wanted to obviously play more, but obviously it didn't work like that, out like that. But, yeah, I think it's important that if a young kid's given a chance and they prove themselves, they should be in the squad again and given more game time. I couldn't agree more. Stolich, um, Dylan mentioned there the fact that the young players that we're seeing as well and the more opportunities they're given is a way to actually gain greater exposure and to increase their development. But the young players this season, Stolich, have been the reason why we've actually loved the A-League so much, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, Dylan, you're definitely included in this. It's, it's really exciting to see. It's like it's like a TV show when they bring in a new character. You're always like, oh, oh, let me see what this person's going to do. It's the same thing. So it's been fantastic to see. And I think, you know, we were talking before about, you know, the idea of a, of a Super League and all that stuff. To give up play, young players more opportunities, we just need more games. Now, that doesn't necessarily need to be in the A-League. You look at kind of the teams in Europe. Often they have they have multiple cup competitions they're in. So if you're an English team, you're playing League Cup, FA Cup, maybe a European competition. So there's oftentimes to give young players, you know, like Dylan at 16, a chance. You bring them in for one game, maybe it's a, an, a League Cup game. You play them in the League Cup, they get a couple games there. You bring them in the FA Cup as well. Maybe you're already qualified in the Champions League group stage last kind of five, you know, the fifth round and the sixth round, you just put them in there. So there's a lot more opportunities. In Australia, when you've only got, you know, 30 games barely, not even, to, to get players in, it's a real problem. So they need to either expand the calendar, whether that's through the A-League, whether that's through, you know, the FA Cup, or that's through another competition. That's what I'd like to see. Dylan, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's, um, yeah, you're spot on there. Um, obviously... You know, it is hard when there's only 25-plus games, not even. Um, and, you know, coaches are under pressure and they might be a bit tempted to play the young lads and stuff. But if you have those more games in other competitions, then, you know, you, you definitely would see a young kid playing more then. So I couldn't agree more with that. Greg Thomas, love watching you play this year, Dylan. Seeing young, exciting players like yourself play makes me go to games. Thank you for that comment, Greg, via Facebook. Great to have your company on the World Game. Selling Live. tickets, Dylan. Selling tickets. He's doing a better job than what the previous marketing team were, let's be honest. Um, Dylan, I have to ask you about the team's current form. Winless in three, it hasn't been great. Um, what do you put it down to and, and, and how have you explained the recent performances? Yeah, look, obviously we haven't got on the greatest run so far, but look, sometimes it's just the way it is. You know, we like have a really good tight group. We all get along with each other. The culture's really good at our club. It feels like a family. So it's just a thing where, you know, I, me and the boys, the team, we, we, we're going to sit down and just have a chat among ourselves and be honest with each other and find out a way to get out of this little slump we're in. Um, and look, I've got no doubt that um, we'll get out of this little form that we're in at the moment, and I've got no doubt that we'll um, be up there at the end of the year. 
Talk to us about your manager, Rudes. Um, you know, we obviously have a great relationship and affection for Rudes from his time with us at SBS, um, being a great friend to us. But as a manager, I've heard so many great comments from players who say that he's fantastic when it comes to man management and keeping the team together, etc. But what is it actually like behind closed doors and working under him? Yeah, he, he's great. Honestly, I think he, he he's tough, um, a bit of tough love, as people will say, which is good. But Honestly, he gets the best out of the players. Um, he really pushes us. The training's intense and, you know, sometimes some players need that. Some Everyone's different. But for me, certainly, I feel like I needed someone to be there to be pushing me every day. Um, and I feel like that's a key to what I'm doing uh, well at the moment is that, you know, every day in training, he's told me what I've had to work on. I have to do more extras. I have to do this. And his demands and his standards are very high. So obviously that brings the best out of the players. So I think that's a, a good thing. Another comment or really more of a question coming through from Eduardo Andres, one of our regular viewers here on the World Game Live. Great to have your company via Facebook once again, Eduardo. Having players like Diamante and Barisha around you must be very educating. Surely they've helped with your performance on the pitch, he wants to know. Yeah, of course. When you look at... You know, Barisha, you know, 140 goals in the A-League, um, you know, played in Europe. Like, that's – it's just crazy. And then you obviously got Diamante, who's played 20-plus cups for Italy. Um, and being Italian myself, it's it's um, pretty cool. <laughs> um, West Ham, you know, the list goes on with this guy, the achievements he's had. And, yeah, they're, they're so supportive to the young lads. Not only the young lads, even the middle-aged guys in our team, they're – constantly giving advice and, you know, Diamante's kind of taking me under his wing a bit and um, I don't know if you, if you watch, but, you know, he likes to find me with those diag balls and stuff. Yeah, and he's, yeah, he's gonna, taught me. going to run a clip of it. Yeah, the, the type of runs to make, the timing of my runs and, yeah, so, you know, him and Vess are a really good help for me and for the rest of the boys too. It well, helps actually, still a hungry bastard, man. He just, he doesn't stop. It doesn't matter if he's aging like a fine wine and, okay, he's not as quick as he used to be, but he's still yeah. so hungry, still yeah. so competitive, Stolich. Yeah, I just want to run through, you were saying uh, Diamante likes to find you. We're just going to run through your last three goals here. Um, it's been absolutely kind of sensational to watch, but is that something that you guys have worked on specifically? Is it just a kind of innate connection that you've had? Is there a good relationship off the field that helps with it? Um, but last, the last three goals that you've scored have come from his pass. Yeah, look, you know, obviously it's a bit of one of our strategies that, you know, as Diamante likes to get it, he turns the player and just switches it either to me or, or Payne, yeah. uh, which is good. But, yeah, me and Dia have a really good relationship. We get along with each other. And, look, I'm quick. I, I can make good runs. And Dia's got an unbelievable pass. So it just suits together. And he tells me, just make that run and I'll find you. And I go, okay. And as shown, it's, it's proven that it's worked. How, how's your uh, Italian? Have you been speaking to him in Italian or are you just going in English? No, I try to sometimes. I was learning um, a bit of Italian um, last year and then COVID happened, so I stopped doing Italian lessons. But, you know, I know not too much, but a little bit, yeah. You know the swear words when he, <laughs> when he, when he starts going at you in training? Oh, yeah, don't worry. He pulls those out on me a few times in training. <laughs> <laughs> uh, question coming through from Michael Long, one of our top viewers here on the World Game Live. He wants to know, Dylan, why number five are you a fan of Milan Baros? <laughs> 
Um, no, honestly, five uh, because there are, obviously being a young lad, I didn't get a much selection or range of what number I wanted. So, so <laughs> give me the there. ten. <laughs> yeah. So, but no, I actually do like number five though. So that's why I went with it. Uh, we also had a question coming through from Curva Ovest, the Western Curve via Twitter prior to the show commencing. Thanks for your question, mate. He said, for Dylan, which player did you look up to as a child and which team's playing style do you admire most globally and why? Um, as a young kid, I looked up to probably – I had two actually. Probably, obviously, Ronaldo was like my, my idol, but I which actually – uh Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, <laughs> oh, he's only uh, young, Solich. Give him a break. <laughs> yeah. um, but I actually did have, when I was a little bit older, like 10, I, I was a massive Melbourne Victory supporter. Um, when I was younger, I was members for nine years. Um, wow. yeah, but I used to love James Teresi. Um, yeah, wow. He, wow. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. So I used to like. I, I reckon I have like three or four tops with his name on the back. Um, when wow. he was victory, I really, I don't, yeah, I just loved him. Um, that's awesome. What did, what, did, what did you love about him, Dylan? Um, I don't. It just obviously, the, it's weird because he's a different position to me, a different player to me. But I just liked his coolness, you know, just the way he played. Um, you know, obviously being Italian background as well. But just, yeah, I don't know, just something about him. I just really liked him. Um, so he was a bit of a player that I did look up to. Um, so, yeah, and then well, the last part of the question was what football style team? Uh, which team? Um, which team's playing style do you admire most globally and why? Um, uh, I've always liked Real Madrid because they're so counter. You're killing me today, Dylan. What? <laughs> <laughs> He's a, look, he's a massive Barca ass kisser stolage, so that's why. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I thought so. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not the counter attacking football. Um, I, I like this. Like, when Ronaldo was there, it was so fast paced, and when every time they counted, it was, it was ridiculous. So I, I, I really like that because I feel like we have a bit of that in us when the wing backs just bomb on when we attack. And yeah, because I, I like that style. Yeah. Another comment coming through from Michael Ong. Shades of Matthew Leckie in Dylan Parias. That's an interesting comment too. I'm not sure if you've been throwing that comparison before. But what are your ambitions, Dylan? I mean, obviously you're doing so well in the A-League and you never want to get ahead of yourself as a young player because any move that you make career-wise, you want it to be for the right reasons and the right move for you as a footballer. Um, but do you think about long-term goals? Uh, you know, Do you want to go to a World Cup? What are your big plans and ambitions football-wise? Yeah, of course, you know, I have ambitions to go overseas eventually and play. Um, obviously, it would be an absolute dream to play in a World Cup, um, but I don't really focus on those type of goals. I feel like you should focus on the short-term short -term goals that will get you to the long-term goals. Um, so at the moment, I'd say, obviously, keep my spot, um, play the next couple of weeks and um, a little, another little short-term goal was trying to make the Olympics team, um, which you know, it's it, that's a hard task, but something that I really like to be a part of, and I'm just going to try and do everything I can and perform as best as I can to to get in that team. So that's a, probably a goal for me right now, um, and just honestly take it week by week um, because you can't can't think too far ahead or else you just go crazy. So I just honestly take game by game and just 
try my best and that's it. Stolich, a few more questions for Dylan before we say goodbye. Yeah, Dylan, I've read that you like to cook. Uh, what is it that you like to, uh, what do you like about cooking and what is your kind of go-to dishes? If let's say a friend's coming over or, you know, a girlfriend or whatever's coming over, you need to impress, what do you go to? Well, obviously having a European background with my dad being Macedonian and my mum being Italian, um, food is massive in, in, in obviously European culture. So I don't know, I just from a young age, I kind of liked cooking. And then as I got older, when I could start cooking properly, I actually just didn't really like it. And yeah, I, I love cooking. Uh, my go-to meal actually would probably be with my girlfriend because she likes cooking too. We cook a nice, um, a nice pasta, like fresh pasta, a sauce, like a homemade sauce from scratch. It's probably um, my my go-to. Tomato, garlic, bit of olive oil. Yeah, a bit of you know the meat in the sauce. Let it cook for, for a few hours. Um, I could go on all day, but you know, but yeah, I just, I, yeah, I generally do like cooking. I cook for my family sometimes. Like, my mum doesn't want to cook dinner, I'll cook for her. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, brother, brother. Yeah, I do, I do like it. I actually wanted to, when I was younger, I said that I wanted to be a footballer and a chef. So, I love it. You can, st- you can still achieve that. And while you're at it, why don't you come tell Corey, who's sitting downstairs, actually, how to do some cooking as well? Because that bastard yeah. does not know how to lift up a spoon. And then I, and I, yeah. I reckon that's why he ended up with me, to be honest, because I do all I the cooking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, back to the football. You guys have got Brisbane Raw coming up uh, Saturday, the 27th of March. Kickoff is at 5.05. It is away. It's an important game for you guys. How have you prepared that? Have preparations been any different or has the mood been any different because things haven't been going your way in the past three matches? Um, no, nah, I don't think so. I think the boys, we're just like, look, what about, there's nothing to be sad about. We're just going to keep going. Like, we're not going to kick ourselves and be down the whole week because we lost. Like, we, that's not going to get us the win. What's going to get us the win is to, okay, learn from that game. What's next? What's our next job? Get back on our feet and go again. And I'm, I think I've got no doubt that I think we'll win this week. Um, and, yeah, the preparations, you know, the coaching staff have prepared us as best as possible. And, yeah, and it's, just, it's just about up to us, you know, getting that result. I feel like our, our performances hasn't been that bad. I feel like we've actually been performing okay. It's just sometimes that result is, you know, you can play bad and get the result sometimes. So, you know, we just got to get back on our feet and we got to, you know, just get on with it. Well, it's very true, and I think that a lot of the fans can agree that you've been fantastic for us so far on the show today and in the season more broadly. We had so many questions and comments coming through for you, but unfortunately that is all that we have time for. Michael Long, thanks, Dylan, and all the best this season and keep scoring goals. Another one from Hassan Bertan. Thanks, Dylan. Tom Katoni said, get in with Georgievsky with a Balkan <laughs> cook-off. I would actually love to see that. I would be the yeah. first to subscribe to that yeah, I think I think SBS would make a show out of that. I think we could yeah. we could commission that. They could so. actually, they actually could. And apologies, A League memes. They did correct me, Lucy. By the way, Western Sydney, you know, uh, Western United won the game before MacArthur game. They're not winless in three. You're absolutely right. I was looking at the wrong fixture list here. Dylan, um, thank you so much for stopping by and joining us. It's no. always great to have the company of particularly young players, like I said, who are lighting up the stage and are doing fantastic things. And you are, in addition to a host of other players so far this season, the big reason why people are glued to their screens this time around and why we're enjoying it. You've been a breath of fresh air. We hope that this is just the start of many wonderful things to come for you in your career journey and we wish you all the very best, mate. Thank you so much and good luck against Brisbane. No, thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. I've had fun. Thank you. Good stuff.
Bravo Dylan. Yes, Bravo Dylan indeed. Such a top young kid and a nice guy who's doing great things on the football pitch as well. And it's good to see him being rewarded with that. I know that Rude's for a long time in his career has always loved giving young players opportunities, whether that was at Sydney United whilst he was there, whilst he was at Wellington Phoenix. He's really into cultivating these young players and being able to work with them and get the best out of them, Stolich. And we're seeing it reap great benefits. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think the league is better for it and the national team will also be better for it. And just on that interview, I've got to say that's the most I've ever liked uh, someone who liked Real Madrid and Cristiano Ronaldo. But apart from that, you know, he seems a very charming dude. And as for anyone who can't cook, anyone who can't cook over 25, have a good look at yourself. That needs to absolutely change. If you're watching yes, this and you know Corey, cooking, Yes, Corey, are you listening? The father yeah. of my child, are you listening? These days, it's so easy. You just YouTube, you know, in whatever ingredients you even have in the fridge, basically how to cook, blah, 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 blah. You'll be able to cook anything. And then once you start doing it a bit, you'll be able to find out all the things that you like, the different flavors, how they mix, and then you can start making your own recipes, which is where it gets really fun. Look, I, I've already said my piece on this. Clearly, I'm the cook in the house. So I'm the mother. I'm the cleaner. I'm everything. That guy hit the jackpot. I'm just going to go out there on the record and say it. I love him dearly, but now I know why he ended up with me, and now I know why I should have ended up with someone like a Dylan Prius who actually knows how to cook, mm. all right? Anyway, let's talk It'd about it. be young for you, Luce, honestly. I mean, I know Corey's young, <laughs> Oh, well, clearly, if six years younger isn't That's... enough, I could be going worse. No, I love him very much. He's the, the best thing in my life right now. He just can't cook to save his life. A-League wrap, City make it five in a row. Sydney's big wet postpones the big blue. MacArthur end their dry spell. Adelaide pummel the sorry Jets and the Phoenix draw with the raw. Craig Deans, coach of Newcastle Jets, actually came out post-match and apologised to, to the Jets fans saying that he had absolutely nothing positive to say about that performance and that it was highly embarrassing. Um, really tough for this club at the moment, but more broadly, it made me think about what is the strategy with this club going forward? We know that Martin Lee was stripped of his licence, that a, a group of APL owners have come in now and decided to save the club, but I'm worried about its direction. I'm worried about the future strategy, where it's going and, and what they're going to do in the short term because it's not looking good for them. The Novocastrians, my gosh, these fans have been through so many iterations of good times, largely overwhelmed by bad times in recent years. We don't even need to start thinking back to the Nathan Tinkler era. But what's going on there, Stolich? And, and, and what problems could you point to as underpinning their greatest woes this season? Well, I mean, the, the preparation that they had was disastrous. You know, they didn't know exactly who the coach was going to be. They had players leaving. That's been a difficult start. I actually think they've done okay. Uh, apart from that, you know, awful game um, where Adelaide actually looked really, really good, they just kind of went up for it. You know, it was a terrible day and they clearly underperformed, I think uh, they will do, come better. They will start to do better. Uh, I like Liridon. I think uh, he can add something as well. I think, you know, I think for Jets fans, now is the time to keep the faith uh, and hopefully, you know, the, the ownership issues are still a bit of a problem with, with the other clubs owning them and how that impacts contracts coming this season. But I think now is actually the time to keep the faith, get behind your club, um, and, you know, that's a good community club up there. I kind of really like the fan base as well. So I hope uh, it all works out. Craig Johnston, a legend, absolute legend of the game. He also penned a, a letter, if you could call it that, recently saying that he would love to see the fans stick by the club through this challenging time. I mean, it's a tough question to ask, but is Craig Deans the man to lead them forward through this difficult period and beyond, Stolich, in your estimations? 
I think for now, yeah. I think I mean, unless you know you're going to get like a Tony Popovich or a, a Kevin Muscat, who they don't seem particularly interested in coming back. Unless you're going to get an amazing coach, I think you got to give uh, Dean's a chance. I think he's done well there. I think you know he didn't have a proper kind of you know preseason, however you want to call it, to really implement his ideas. I thought they were going to be absolutely awful this year, and there haven't been. In fact, a lot of games have been competitive. Um, so. I think, you know, that I think it will come good eventually. Mm. City make it five in a row. Of course, we are catching up with Scott Jamison later on in the program and shortly we'll be chatting to the great Sam Lewis, women's football expert. Can't wait to talk all things W League with her. But City have been in sensational form and it wasn't all that long ago, Stolich, that we were concerned about them and that we were, in fact, worried for Patrick Isnorbo and his job. And I can't wait to ask... Um, Captain Scott Jamison, exactly what it has been that they can attribute this turnaround to. But what's impressed you most about them and what are your theories on why they've managed to turn things around? Is it just that it was a rough start to the season, so much uncertainty and it's been a bit of a lesser year and that they've finally just clicked into gear? Well, I believe as well Andrew Naboo came back uh, around the time that they started winning. So I think he's been really good. And, you know, we didn't actually know because he had a pretty poor season with victory last season, although everyone had a poor season with victory last season, so you can't blame him too much for that. But, you know, he's really helped. Um, we had a report uh, from Joey Lynch uh, on our website, I think, on the weekend, where he'd spoken to Connor Metcalf. He talked about how the preseason was one of the most intense he's ever done. Physically, they look unbelievable. And if you talk about City, they play this, you know, they press you, they counterattack. It's very difficult to deal with. Um, Jamie McLaren, started the season, he wasn't exactly hitting the net. Now, boom, 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 confidence is up. He's expecting be- to score every game. Yeah, and that can be just sometimes the difference is once you're number nine, especially if you're only playing a number nine up front, once he or she, you know, gets a bit of confidence in them, that's when your team seasons can start to turn around. So, City are, at the moment, absolutely the favourites uh, for the title. And I'd say this, they were playing against the Mariners, who've all been impressed with this season. Mariners didn't have a shot from inside the box uh, when they played on Monday night. So that shows you that City's defence is very strong. You know, Also, the uh, introduction of the Portuguese uh, player has been, I think, quite good as well. So it'll be good. We'll, get, we'll hear from Scott Jamison. He'll be able to tell us a bit more because, like I say, at the start of the season, Patrick Kisnorbo, and they, I think they lost three in a row. I was starting to go, oh, it's not going to work out. Maybe he's not up to this level. Boom, shut me up. Proved me wrong right away. Mm. Adelaide United, I want to talk about them briefly because, I mean, they, like I said in the headline there, they absolutely pummeled Newcastle Jets and I'm feeling for the Jets fans at the moment. Um, but let's talk briefly about Kusini Yengi because we spoke about him last week with respect to the racism issues and we addressed those and we all agreed that, yes, we're in solidarity with Kusini 100% of the way. Where I'm not in solidarity with him is the rolling factor, right? It's not that big a deal, are you joking? It's not that big a deal. It was actually, can I just say really respectfully, it was embarrassing, okay? That that particular one, and, and A-League Memes put up a clip where you can hear, and they said that it was Carl Viet. I'm not 100% certain it was Carl. It may in fact be, but Cusini cut that effing shit out, right? Yeah. And if that is the case and it was Carl, I'm in full agreement with him because this is a sensational footballer, right, who's doing really great things, and I don't want it to be marred by him him carrying on like a fool on the pitch in the way that he was. Stolich, anyone else that viewed it that agreed or disagreed, you seem to think it wasn't that big of a deal. The guy was right. It looked like a gymnastics role. I thought, is this going to end? It looked like this never-ending role, and I was waiting for some rhythmic Olympic music to kick in. Okay, listen, it's not, it's not, <laughs> it's not nice. No one wants to see this type of 
But at the same time, I've seen Neymar do it. I've seen Cristiano Ronaldo do it. It doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make it okay. It also doesn't make it the worst thing in the world. The kid's the kid's a great player. That's what I love to see. I'm excited about watching this kid every week. Man, you do a couple of roles, whatever. I don't. This guy, I love him. The, kind of the more stuff he does, the more I love him. Celebrating in the front of the fans, I'm loving that. Doing the roles, well, okay, that's a bit annoying. But it's also like, yeah, whatever. Just like it, it doesn't bother me really that much. It, it kind of makes me laugh more than anything. Alec memes. Cusini confirmed it. Viet told him, "You're a good player. You don't need that kind of shit." I couldn't agree more. He actually does not need that as part of his repertoire. And no, no, uh, no one's saying he needs it. No one's saying he needs it. But I just, I just don't want to like. Oh, this is the worst. Why do it? Then what's the point of it? What is the point? I, I don't know to get the to get a the guy sent off to get a yellow card. I don't, I don't know what his kind of thinking was in the moment, but it happens all the time. No, it does happen all the time. But again, it's a scourge on the game, and it's something that I don't think is a true representation of what is the beauty of football, which is that that's not necessary. The skill is what we pride ourselves on in this game. The technical yes. ability is what we love in football, not the ability to roll around and get yourself a penalty or a yellow card for the opposition. Murray McKean, I was there. It was disgraceful. It just wasn't good. I'm going to go off and say that. If it's a one-off, okay, Eduardo Andres says. I'm hoping that he's learned his lesson from this. Where's the Latinos? The Latinos, no. They're like, eh, maybe you got to do it sometimes, you know? <laughs> Ron Kelly, one more final comment before we move on and welcome Sam Lewis to the show. He said, Yengi excited me the week before, but he hit the deck four times last week. It's like he's living a movie than playing a game. Yeah, it's 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 not great. And like I said, I, he doesn't need that. He absolutely does not need that a part of his game. He's a sensational footballer. He's got so much more to offer than that. Leave that to the panel beaters playing in the fifth division that are desperate for, a, you know, a goal or an opportunity in a game not to, you know, the A-League where we want to see the best of the best. Stolich, final point. Well, I just say, yeah, probably don't do it. Keep on scoring. I love watching you play, Yangi, uh, and I hope yeah. to see more of you. We absolutely love him. We think he's sensational. All right, someone else that we love, and this woman makes no bones about diving around a football pitch. Rather, she's doing excellent things off the football <laughs> pitch. We love catching up with her every week. I always find a way to introduce a guest. Sometimes it's shit and sometimes it's good, like today. This one is good because our guest is good, not to say that those that we have had before haven't been good. But anyway, that's just a sign that I'm terrible and I might get the sack soon. (laughs) Sam Lewis will never sack you. I might get the punk. You are staying here with us for as long as this show continues. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for coming on. How the hell are you? Are you dry? Are you safe? That's what I want to know first and foremost. Lucy, I cannot hear you. <laughs> I'm going to say that I don't know what's happened as soon as I came in. I heard the entire show up until this point and now I can't hear anything that you're saying. Why don't you try and refresh? Why don't you try and refresh? refresh? Yes, yep, refresh. refresh. All right, there we go. Technical issues. This is live TV, baby. This is the this is the environment that we have to operate in. Um, Fatima Flores, great to have your company, Fatima. Thanks so much for tuning in by Facebook. She says we love Sam, Samantha Lewis. We do. Couldn't agree more. With reference, uh, Musi Longo, another one of our top fans here on the World Game Live. Great to have your company, mate. He said he's been watching the highlight reel of Neymar with reference to Kusini Yengi. Again, Neymar doesn't need that a part of his game either. I know we're going back to this while Sam's, um, you know, working through her technical issues, but Mm. you just don't need that to be a top-quality footballer. You don't. You don't. 
But, you know, I, I would rather focus on the fact that, you know, Yangi scored, he played fantastic, he's re- he's been a real shining light. He's another great player to come out of South Australia. We had the Torre brothers. We've had a lot of good players coming out of South Australia. And that's why I think Carl Vitt really kind of, and, you know, the football department, Bruce Gitte, all that, that's one of the reasons I think it's a great setup they have there because they are getting absolutely the most. They know South Australian football well. They have good links in the community. That's going to bring in more fans. Uh, they're getting the best young players, that means that the young players coming through are going to be looking at Adelaide United going, that's where I want to play. That's where the best players from South Australia play. So they're going to be supporting it. They're going to be, you know, trying really hard to break into that team. I think it's uh, really, really good. And I think we're going to see, I think in the next few years, we're going to see a lot of good stuff from Adelaide. I hope so, because I think, as you said, everything that they're doing off the pitch, they've got the best people in Australian, some of the best people in Australian football involved at that football club, Um, a connection to the community, a connection to everything that's going on in football there, which is really hugely important. Hugely important is that we also get Sam's audio's issues fixed. Sam, can you hear us? I can hear you finally. I don't know what has happened. I even tried moving rooms from the last time this disaster of an internet connection screwed up this particular program. Anyway, I'm here. I'm on my phone. I'm so sorry about the profile. Anyway, we're here to chat. How's it going? Sorry, we don't care in which format you come to us. Profile, landscape, off your phone, via a fax machine. As long as we've got Sam, does anyone still own a fax machine apart from my dad in Canberra? Anyone? A Barcelona. That was when Messi sent the Buddha fax and they got in trouble. So Barcelona still owns one and so does Messi and it nearly destroyed the club. Anyway. (laughs) We had um, questions coming in for you already before the show went to air, which I'm really excited about. And one was from Fatima Flores who joins us here via um, Facebook, but she also submitted this question via Twitter. She said to us just on Facebook now, she said, can't wait to get Sam's thoughts on the FAWSL deal and how this will impact the Westfield W League. Her question in full to you was... What impact do you think the landmark deal between the Barclays FAWSL and BBC Sport and Sky Sports will have on women's football globally, especially the W League? Will we finally see the investment needed being put into the W League to get a full home and away season? Our guest coming up also shortly, Scott Jamison, said, good question. I couldn't agree more. What do you think, Sam? It's wonderful that this is going on in the UK, but are we actually going to see any of this reverberate to the W League? I think so. It's a really good question. And shout out to Fatty. Hi, Fatty. Love your work. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a really important, really landmark kind of a deal um, for a number of different reasons. It's, it's sort of being widely reported that it is the biggest uh, domestic broadcast deal in women's football in a domestic sense ever. Um, I think the, the deal at the moment is between seven and eight million pounds per season that runs until the end of 2024. So it's a really long term commitment from two huge broadcasters as well as the BBC and it's Sky Sport. So it's a combination of free-to-air and pay TV. But the actual terms and the like, what's going to happen as a result of that, I think, is setting a really important precedent because we haven't seen anything like this before. We're finally seeing women's football, uh, women's club football, being valued in its own right. It's not being bundled in with a men's product. It is its own competition and it's being broadcast and commercialized as its own competition and so when we talk about the the kinds of ways in which this could ripple across other women's competitions particularly the w league there are questions that can be asked in a similar sort of light in the sense that you know does the w league need to be bundled in with the a league in a commercial sense does it need to be bundled in in a broadcasting sense are there different ways that we can package it perhaps by tying the w league to 
a future Women's World Cup broadcasting deal. So there are lots of different ways that you can sort of split and fracture apart these kinds of things now because women's football is starting to generate its own revenue and generate its own interest and its own enthusiasm. And part of the impetus behind this broadcast deal from the FAWSL is that they wanted to become self-sustaining. They don't want to rely on the men's game to, to exist, basically. And so this is one of the really big moves in order to achieve that. Why now? Why was now the right time to go down this path? Is it because we've seen an explosion in an appetite for women's football? Is it the success that we're seeing with the FAWSL? What is it, Sam, and what prompted them to go down this path, do you think? It's all of those things. You know, the last sort of two to three years, I think, has been sort of a watershed moment for women's football more generally. In the wake of the 2019 Women's World Cup, we saw over a billion people tune in just for that tournament around the world. It smashed domestic viewership records in a number of countries. So the sort of the larger wave of, of enthusiasm that we're seeing around women's football is finally starting to translate into serious structural decisions and much more investment like we're seeing in this broadcast deal. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that this, uh, I, again, it sort of folds into this, this wider wave, not just in football, but also in women's sport more generally. Um, like another report that was released last week is that um, the Fenway Sports Group, the group that owns Liverpool FC, the group that owns the Boston Red Sox, they're also looking to invest in a NWSL team, perhaps even in a WNBA team. So they're wanting to move into women's, um, even though they do have a women's football team already, it's called Liverpool Women, they haven't been doing particularly well with it, but that aside, uh, <laughs> they, they are showing interest in, in moving into that space and they're not the only group. So I think it's it's a really smart financial move from the BBC and from Sky Sports to to sort of get there um, to get this package together because we're seeing such a huge influx of so many amazing players to the FAWSL. It's the first fully professional women's league in the world, and with all of these bits and pieces now in place, they're really setting a foundation to actually become the best women's competition on the planet. Sam, we've been crying out, before I defer to Solich, we've been crying out for so many changes within our own domestic women's competition here in Australia. First and foremost, from my perspective, is to see the league extended. We need, as was mentioned earlier, we need a full home and away season. Are we hearing any rumblings, any possibilities around the potential to actually extend the season, to, to make these vital changes that I think are really critical to the growth of the women's game? Because it's just plateaued and we're seeing it and have seen it at this rate for a number of years now. And we know that it's got so much potential. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that from everything that I've heard, they wanted to introduce a full home and away season this season. But coronavirus, like with everything else, it threw a spanner into those works. And that's also, I think, the reason why we didn't see an expansion side in the W League. I think that was also quite high on the priority list for uh, Football Australia and for the clubs. Um, so because of that, I, I think next season is going to be the season where we finally get a home and away, uh, a home and away competition. And it doesn't even really add that many more rounds, really. It's only a handful. So the season would only be extended by perhaps a month more than what it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, those are sort of small pickings. I think there are some, please excuse the extraordinary sound of planes flying over my house right now. Um, I've got, I've got actually right now too, are you, are you close by Sam? Maybe we're neighbours and we don't even know it. Uh, no, I'm in Marrickville. I'm in the inner west. You know. <laughs> I'm out in the sticks, we're out in the suburbs. That's what happens when you have a family, you decide <laughs> to move out and become a Stepford wife, basically. <laughs> 
<laughs> Carry on. Uh, but, yeah, no, I think another really interesting um, sort of decision that needs to be made with the W League, it was mentioned sort of earlier in the show, is in terms of the summer-winter uh, calendar because the W League's uh, sort of uh, when it fits in the year is going to be dictated by the A League largely. Um, but we're sort of seeing, we've seen in the last week that the women's transfer window actually falls almost right in the middle of the most important part of the W League season. And so those are the kinds of, you know, with, with players who are picking up and leaving because they have to because this is the only opportunity that they can get to go to a competition overseas. Um, so I think that those sorts of things also need to be taken into consideration when we think about the length of the W League season, the purpose of the W League season and when it's going to be in the year. Um, w League wrap, we want to get to that uh, because shortly we'll be welcoming Scott Jamison. Time is just flying, Sam. Um, but Brisbane, they've lost Polkinghorne and Gilnick to Sweden. I've seen already so many comments coming in. Fatima Flores also again. Katie Bayou, one of our top fans here. The two raw women's players heading back to Europe will be good for their career, but I'm saddened by it. Loved watching them play. This has really dominated headlines in the way of, well, they're leaving at such a critical juncture in the season because it's right before the final series. Um, they are fabulous moves for their career, but I couldn't agree more with what Katie's saying. It is sad to see players of this quality go. Did you expect it, Sam, or were you surprised by it? I was surprised by Gilnick and Polkinghorne leaving, um, just as I was surprised at Dylan Holmes leaving Adelaide a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. to go to Sweden. Um, I, but, but in saying that, I'm not really surprised because once you sort of really understand the landscape and the fact that the W League season is only 14, sort of 14 weeks long, effectively, these women have to find ways to fill in the rest of their year if they want to be professional footballers. And it just so happens that because the W League season was pushed back by a month, that it ran into one of the transfer windows that women have to function in. And so because of that, clubs overseas obviously are not going to provide them exemptions because they have paid for this player to come over to them. So they want them there now. Um, and, you know, what, what are the players meant to do? Say no, stay, you know, stay in the W League for a couple more weeks and then what do they do then? They can't go anywhere else because the transfer window is closed. So it's frustrating for a lot of people. I think it's probably particularly frustrating for the clubs um, because these are your star players. Emily Gilnick is the current golden boot leader. She could be overtaken by Michelle Heyman in the next round mm -hmm. because she's not going to be here to defend that. Um, and you've got obviously the polking point as Brisbane Raw's captain as well, plays such an important leadership role, moving into something like a final series. Uh, and Dylan Holmes, I think the impact of, of her loss is probably widely felt at Adelaide too. So, yeah, I mean, I, it, it does, I think, sort of compromise the integrity of the competition. We saw a very similar thing happen last year when, you know, your Caitlin Fords, your Hayley Rassos went across to England um, in, in a very similar uh, sort of early year window. And we saw sort of what happened to some of those teams as a result of losing those players. So, yeah, I mean, it's great It's great for the, the women themselves because they're going to continue to get really good match minutes, they're going to continue to get, to get paid and they're going to be putting themselves in another shop window for Tony Gustafsson ahead of Tokyo uh, sort of selection. So it's really, really great for them. But in terms of like a W League perspective, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit worrying. Mm, couldn't agree more. Stolich, over to you, some questions for Sam before we say goodbye shortly. Yeah, well, I wanted to know, Sam, you know, how will Brisbane Raw go, do you think? Because they were kind of looking like the favourites. They put in a really good run of form. But to lose Polkinghorne, to lose Gilnick, and also, you know, we've got to remember, they lost Katrina Gorry earlier in the season. Uh, that's, you know, three Matildas, three incredible players. Any team would be, you know, 
affected by that. But does that now put Sydney FC as favourites for the title? Does that put Melbourne Victory up there? You know, Adelaide United are looking quite good as well. Very good. Yeah, it's a it's a really good question, um, and it's difficult to answer because the competition is so close. Like four points separate the top five teams at the moment, and there are still three teams who can technically win the premiership. And we're in the last round this coming weekend. So Sydney, Brisbane, and Melbourne Victory are still within touching distance of the premiership plate. But when it comes to finals, um, I mean, Brisbane is such a great team because they are such a uh, multi-dimensional team. You know, even though they have lost someone like Emily Gilnick, they do still have the attacking weapons of a Tamika Yallop or a Mariel Hecker, players yeah. who are, are proven goal scorers. And even though they have lost Claire Polkinghorne from the back, they still have someone with incredible experience in Kim Carroll. So despite the losses, I think Brisbane have sort of been clever in the way they've built their team because they've um, made sure that those losses aren't going to be so keenly felt as perhaps they would be felt elsewhere. Um, but Sydney's, uh, Sydney's situation I'm a little bit worried about, I have to say, and I say this as a Sydney fan, because they are coming into they are coming into two of the hardest games of any of the teams that are sort of vying for a final spot. They had the game against Melbourne Victory that was postponed because of the rain, which means that Sydney actually haven't played a competitive match for a couple of weeks now because they had a bye. So they're going to be coming into the game on Friday against Canberra, a Canberra side which are looking quite good. Um, and then having to play a game against Melbourne Victory a couple of days later, probably, because they need to try and squeeze it into the window. And they have lost a couple of players. They've had to sign a, a three new players in the last week as well to sort of replace them. So they're sort of feeling a little bit, I don't know, not, not certain for the title. And I'm really worried about it. See, wow. I'm, I'm worried about Canberra. I mean, I, I take all of your points about Sydney FC. They've been largely unsettled. It's been a while since they've played a competitive match and they're coming into this a little bit underdone versus what Canberra are, who have been in great form and who are very desperate to solidify that final spot. Um, but for me, I feel like Canberra's last game against Sydney and then you've got Melbourne Victory, who've also got Perth. To me, I mean, and the question that we posed to fans um, was, are Victory the favourites now? Can you round out the top four for us in your own words? If you had to make a punt, now and you put your house on it who would it be oh gosh oh gosh um okay well sydney are confirmed in the top four that's guaranteed based on the number of points that they have at 24 brisbane i think will definitely make the top four they're only two points behind uh sydney and they have newcastle to play so it's it's that's pretty much a win for them um adelaide is going to be the the difficult one because they're currently sitting third with uh, Canberra and Melbourne Victory just below them. But Victory have two games in hand, one yeah. against Sydney and one against Perth. So if Victory are able to get three points from either of those games and they can secure their spot in the top four, and if Canberra can get at least one point from Sydney, then they can go above Adelaide on goal difference. So that would mean that they're in the top four as well. So this is how this what is what it's coming down to. What I know. A it's a, it's a really fitting finish, I think, for such a chaotic season that everyone is literally on the edge of their seat and, like, get, results are going to be determined by other games as well. So there's going to be a situation where Adelaide are going to be watching Canberra versus Sydney, hoping that Canberra lose, effectively, so that Adelaide can stay in the top four. It's Yeah, it's wild. Sam, let's cut the shit. I just want to know if Canberra are going to make the finals, all right? <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Actually, I want to know. I, I always love this this possibility. Whenever it comes down to this, in terms of, is there any possibility that two teams will be totally equal on points, goal difference, everything? I love that chaos scenario where it might have to come down to like a coin toss or some ridiculous playoff or something. Yeah, I'm 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 not sure. I think maybe there will be because Brisbane and Adelaide are currently both on 22 points, I believe. Yeah. But Brisbane's goal difference is insane. So Adelaide are not going to go. Brisbane are Brisbane gone. Are gone. Um, on four goal difference. Yeah. Canberra's on five. Victory's on six. So, guys, we need to pray for chaos and we need to hope that everyone ends up on the same. That's the best thing in football, when everyone's on the same and no one even knows the rules of what to happen. <laughs> my, nerves, my nerves don't need that, all right? I just I want to know that Cambria United is going to make the top four and that I can rest easy because it's been a while and we want to get back into finals football again. Michelle Heyman's been on fire. Tell you what, Sam Lewis, you are always on fire for us. Every time you join us here on the program, I cannot thank you enough. Technical difficulties and all, I told you, we'll have you in any which way you come to us, whether that's a fax machine, a pigeon, whatever it is to get you. <laughs> to us. That's all we care about here on the World Game Live. Thank Can you. Can I just ask one final question? Yeah, go on then. Stolich waste uh, our time. Go on. Uh, sorry. And sorry to keep uh, Jamo waiting as well because I see he's waiting. But Sam, I just wanted to ask, uh, record crowd, Adelaide United, oh, tell yes, us how did yes. they do it? Um, and tell us what lessons can, you know, the rest of the teams learn, the league learn from that uh, sensational crowd? Bravo. Yes. Fabulous. Um, huge congratulations to Adelaide. It was amazing. So for anyone watching who doesn't understand the context, Adelaide United uh, a couple of weeks ago decided that they wanted to try and break the record for uh, the crowd attendance at a standalone regular season W League game. So not a double header, not a finals, but just a regular season standalone game. So they, uh, they organised for Adelaide to play their last home game of the season at Cooper's Stadium, which is a beautiful venue for football, as mm-hmm. we all know. They played the Wanderers, and Wanderers started to generate some really good form towards the back end of the season. So this game was really important because Adelaide had to win it in order to keep their finals hopes alive. So they sort of set the foundation in that sort of structural sense. But then what Adelaide did on top of that was that they marketed the hell out of it. There were social media pushes. There were interviews. There were newspaper articles. There was everything to try and get as many people as possible interested in this game. And it worked. They smashed the record. Originally, the record was 3,105, and they attracted 5,159 people. And that was just with basically a week or two's worth of, yeah, basically just a week or two's worth of extra marketing and promotion of the W League. Uh, You know, this is basically what happens when you market the women's game the same way that you market the men's game. You put it in people's faces. Hang on, hang on. The men's game's not even getting marketed. My boyfriend went out to the shops the other day and said, oh, by the way, Melbourne City are playing against the Mariners. And I wrote back to him and I said, you're doing a better job of promoting the league than they are. Like, come on. (laughs) And this is a perfect example of what can happen when you, as you said, you actually start aggressively marketing your product, whether it be the men's or the women's game. If you are investing money into these competitions, then it is your responsibility as guardians of the game to give the best opportunity to succeed. The players are doing their jobs the the coaching staff the administrators are doing their jobs it is their responsibility to market these games and look at what happens when you do it yeah 100 percent. that's exactly right lucy and it, it sort of gives nice context into how little the w league has actually been having to work with relative to the a league in the wider sporting landscape in australia we get an absolute fraction of the marketing that the a league gets and the a league gets a fraction of the, the more general sports marketing in the country 
So the W League has had to work really, really hard to try and generate the fan base that it has. But this yeah. game and this moment, I think, was just proof of what happens when you do put your money when you're, where your mouth is. You really do try to market your products properly because then you see that you start to break records. You start to get more yeah. people coming to games. And that's exactly what we want for this competition. Women's football is the biggest growth area of the sport. But nobody's going to pay attention if you don't make them pay attention, if you don't put it in front of them and say, hey, this is a really cool thing that we've got going on, come and be part of it, because that's when people will show up. Well, you make a show up every week, right? And the contributions <laughs> you make to the women's game alone are already worth singing your praises for. Sam Lewis, I'm so glad you managed to fit that one in, Stolich. Of course, we are running out of time, but I'm glad that you managed to squeeze it in because it's a hugely important one to celebrate. Sam Lewis, we always love celebrating you. Thanks for stopping by, and we look forward to catching up with you again as the final series starts to really heat up because there are a lot of exciting things on the horizon for the W League as we come towards the pointy end. Thanks so much, Sam, and we'll catch up with you soon. I'm going to go and breathe into a paper bag now. It was good to talk to you all. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why she's got to breathe into a paper bag. That girl can talk for days. Look, here she is back again. We're just going to keep bringing her back in and back out. Guys, it's time now to welcome our next special guest who's been very patient for us. Um, Melbourne City shining star, really. Capetan Scotty Jamison joins us here. Melbourne City defender. Great to have you, Jamo. Thanks also. for stopping by. What's that? Landscape also. Yeah, look, portrait, apparently portrait, no, portrait. No, portrait. Apparently no one has a decent internet connection or stable <laughs> stable format to join us on the show with Pajamo. No, in all seriousness, I really appreciate you making the time for us here. It's so good to catch up with you. I want to congratulate the City boys first and foremost, five in a row. You guys are flying high, but Stolich and I were saying earlier it wasn't all that long ago particularly towards the beginning of the season where we were a bit worried for you guys and we're also a bit worried about Paddy Kuznoko's future and you know questions were arising around whether or not he was the right guy to lead you and the team forward what's changed well thanks for having me guys it's been a while loose uh we spoke about it a couple of months ago to try and get me on but um I thought it was better not to uh to come and speak on a few topics I would have got in trouble but um (laughs) it's uh to get Jamo on because we yeah. want you to get in trouble. We love you. No, no, it's good. Um, yeah, look, I appreciate the, the kind words about the team. Um, it's been, you know, obviously a pleasing five or so weeks for us. Uh, we've hit our groove as such, um, but we're also aware that, you know, nothing's won at this stage of the season um, without trying to put a downer on things and sound cliche-like. But, you know, from the, from the, the three in a row where we lost, um, and yeah, the, the, the pressure from the outside and, and I guess the, the noise from the outside, um, the message in the inside didn't change. Um, I guess that comes from the, the stability we had throughout the whole COVID break of, of no massive turnover in our squad. Um, I, I genuinely believe that the path we started last year with Eric, um, obviously PK was his assistant, has continued. Um, and when we had those three losses, I guess the message from, from the players that I guess have been here for the last two years, you know, starting this journey, I guess, of, of the way we want to play and do things, um, I guess, calm down the new players and there was no panic. And, and I think that showed in, in I guess, the, the way we've transformed things. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't want to get too excited because, you know, there's, there's still a long way to go in the season. But I'd be lying if I didn't say I'm very pleased that, you know, the, the way we've been travelling so far. 
And I think so are City fans as well because, as I said earlier, there was a bit of nervousness around the team's form and, and what the remainder of the season was going to look like for you guys given that you had come so, so close off the back of last season. But Paddy Kisnorbo, we had the chance to actually catch up with him and it's been that long prior to this season starting. He's such a humble guy. I mean, we've known Paddy from his time as a player to then making this transition as a coach. But what's he actually like as a head coach, Jamo, and how has he taken to that role? Yeah, I think... There's always a degree of uncertainty when you go from an assistant coach to to, um, to the main coach. You know, the assistant coach is is a pretty cushy job. You don't have to to upset people. You don't have to essentially uh, pick the team and, and as I said, um, put noses out of joint. So it's, there's always a fine balance of, of how it can go. I've been in situations where assistants have followed um, and it's been a disaster. But then I've also, you know, seen situations, a good one obviously being Bimby at Sydney FC, who, who went from the assistant to, to the main man and, and has been fantastic there. So um, I guess it was uh, a juggling act for the start at the start for PK. Um, and throughout it, I, I think, yeah, he stayed the same the, the way he's always been. Um, a very passionate character, uh, one that um, is an intense character and it shows. Um, but the, the tactical sense, the, the football sense is is very similar um, with, with, with what Eric started. And, and I think that's a key and it's something that, like I said and touched on before, the, the, the way we've uh, reacted to situations um, hasn't been about panic because the large portion of players that were here last year knew that the system works and, and the way we work um, is successful. So, you know, he's been really good. Um, he's still young and still learning, but... Um, you know, he handled those three games and, and, and I guess the noise from the outside, you know, very well. He, he didn't shy away from it. Um, he was very confident in what he wanted to do and, and what he was doing. So it was uh, it was good for the players to, to have that. Before I defer to Stolich for a question for you, Jesse at JSTEP300 wrote in via Twitter. Thanks so much for your comment and your question. Jesse, he said, Scott Jamison, you're good for a goal this season, Jamo. There is a collective gasp in the stands as your eyes light up and you inevitably end one into row Z. Fans are going to lose it when you do. From a Melbourne City and Jamo fan, come on, lad, he says. Yeah, I'm lethal. I'm about two and two, two out of 270, I think, 280 games. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's something that uh, I've accepted that I'm not a, a, a bombarding fullback that scored lots of goals. Um, I guess I'm due probably one before I finish my career in the next few years, but I won't hold my breath. Um, and I expect people in row Z to, to keep looking out for the balls that hit them when I shoot. <laughs> Next few years, come on, you're like a Malbec. You're getting better with age. Stolich, over to you. Yeah, Jam, I wanted to ask um, Andrew Naboo. Uh, he mm. came in kind of after these three losses in a row. Since then, you've won five. What has been his impact on the way that you guys play on the pitch and also kind of how is he, I guess, integrated into the squad? Yeah, look, um, I've only played against Andy over the years and, and had a relationship of, of that kind of nature. Um, so, you know, him coming into the club, you know, coming from the the, the, the rivals um, was always going to be, I guess, interesting, not in a bad way, but in a good way. Um, I guess you come from a club like Victory and City and, and you, you, I guess you, you suss how it's going to be. But from day one, um, you know, he's an infectious character. Um, he's a person that, you know, really just wants to work hard on his craft, um, very hard on himself. I, I think that's something that Andy will admit. He's a very critical person of himself, even when he's doing well. Um, and, you know, that's, a, a, I guess, a positive for him, but also a negative that, you know, he has these high standards. But, um, you know, he also has to understand that, um, you know, when you have three people marking you on a, on a, a Monday night, you're not going to always have, uh, you know, the space <laughs> to do what you want to do. So 
um, you know, that aspect of him, uh, it's been it's been pleasing. Um, he's been great around the change room. Uh, I think for, for for us as a team, what he brings to to our team is is direct. Um, you know, that that direct competition for 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 our attack. You know, we have obviously Nuni and Maka, the goal scorer. Nuni is more of a a player that can that can assist from from deep. But you know, Andrew has pace, power. Um, and makes defenses drop, so that element for us really helps us. And uh, you know, I think him along with Griffo really helped uh, change our form around. I don't want to put it down to two players as such, but their influence, um, you know, was, was was on show when they came back into the team, and we've had a great run. So, you know, hopefully it continues. But um, you know, he, he's obviously got to keep working hard, and he does that. It's something that I've noticed about Andy, he does work very hard. Um, questions coming through have been around whether or not actually City can go that one step further and better their performance in the grand final last season. There seems to be this collective belief, Jamo, and certainly Stolich and I have spoken about it on the show, that this is very much like a Leicester year when they won it in 2016 because we've seen the Mariners who are currently on top of the table reach the heights that they have. But from my perspective, I feel that a lot of that has to do with the fact that we've seen the big clubs, um, and now you guys have clicked into gear, but before that, the big clubs like Melbourne Victory, uh, for example, Sydney FC struggling this year as well. But do you have this belief that this finally could be your season? I know you said earlier you don't want to get ahead of yourselves, but what's different or what's going to be different this time around, do you feel? Yeah, I think it's a case of if you asked me last year and I sat here on this show, I would have said I had a belief of of what we were doing. Uh, Obviously, we fell short by one game. Um, This year, it's been hard. I mean, full credit to Central Coast. Um, but this season is, is, is an unusual one because of the games. You know, Sydney FC have only played, I think, 10. We've only played 10. The Mariners have played, I think, 12 or 13. So, um, you know, the, the, the way this season's panned out, um, you know, the Mariners have got their points up front and, and teams are playing catch-up as we are. So it's hard to, to get a gauge on where certain teams are at. Um, but in saying that, you know, the Wanderers have obviously wrapped up wins ourselves. You know, we've found gear, like you said, and for us to, to do that, we're, we've been very pleased. But um, unfortunately, we don't win the uh, the toilet seat, you know, in this month. It's another two months down the, the line. So we're fully aware of that. But, you know, if you, if you ask me um, at the start of the year, if can, can you go on a 5-0 and zero winning streak, then I'd take it. So um, it, it's a balance. It's a balance. I, I don't want to sit here and downplay five wins in a row because it's, it's tough. It's tough to do. Um, but at the same time, there's also, a, a, I guess, an end goal and we need to continue and, and make sure it's a, a continuation of what we're doing now. Before I bounce back to Stolich again for a few more questions before we say goodbye, um, from your perspective, the league, and we've been having discussions throughout the show, of course, it's certainly been dominating headlines and discussions more broadly as well around the future of it. Being a player in this situation where there's still a lot of uncertainty over what next season is going to look like, is it going to be played in the winter or the summer? Who is going to be the broadcaster? What are player contracts going to look like? How have you observed it from your perspective? Yeah, I've been pretty fortunate. I've had um, very close contact with with obviously Simon Pearce, who's you know the um, the vice chairman of the City Football Group and and someone who's involved with um, you know the APL. Um, so you know his uh, communication with me has been very pleasing. I spoke to him the other day, and um, you know the information he's gave me and the direction that that, that I guess we as a code want to go is, is pleasing. Um, for that to happen, there's still you know, things that we have to to, to get through, but. Look, there's no doubting where, where we're at at the moment is not where we want to be. Um, you know, like you touched on before um, with the prior guest, you know, we, we, we don't get that marketing. We don't have that buzz, and unfortunate. Um, 
you know, and we're about 10 pages deep in the sports section, if we do get in the sports section. So this is where we're at, you know, the challenges that we face with crowds, with everything uh, is there. But, you know, I believe that, you know, the, the, the future will be brighter than what it is now. Um, and I think, you know, with TV deals and stuff, look, there's no denying that at the moment. I don't think we're probably getting the, the exposure we should from our main broadcaster, albeit that they are uh, our broadcaster. I don't want to speak too bad of them, but we need more exposure. Um, you know, I, I see uh, a lot of NRL or, or Tim Zoo fights during A-League games, and then I watch the NRL and I don't see anything of the A-League. So there's, there's really got to be, I guess, a, a real emphasis on our sport. Um, but at the same time, I mean, crowds too. I, I had an incident the other night with our active fans and police and you know, Amy Park, the way that the, the, the fans and AFL have come now and it's 75%. So there is that, there's no denying it, we're up against these these powers that be, but uh, we have to get our own house in order. Um, and that, that starts with everyone inside the, the game being on the same page um, and, and really working to, to really, you know, grow our game. There's, there's no doubt about it. So a lot to happen, but I think we've, we've found a place where we can build from um, and, and really grow. Um but really grow within rather than worrying about what's on the outside. Really well said. I think you've got a future in administration one day. Stolich, over to you. Yeah, uh-huh. media. Uh, anyway. um, Gemma, what I wanted to ask was, um, so kind of for a lot of your career, you're always that kind of overlapping fullback. Now, in the last mm-hmm. kind of two seasons for City, you've come inside. There's more that inverted fullback where you come and join the midfield, help the build-up play. Just talk to me about what that transition is like. Was it was it a difficult transition to make? Were and how do you kind of how does it help the team? And also, what do your kind of I guess centre backs need to do to cover for you when you come inside? Yeah, so I mean, obviously that started with there's no denying it. Obviously, Pep um, and the way uh, you know they did things in in Manchester and I guess the City football way, if you want to call it. Um, you know, for myself in the transition, it was it was smooth as prior to me going overseas as a young boy at 15. At Blacktown City Demons, I was always a centre midfielder. So, um, you know, the transition of, I guess, coming into those inside positions and pockets and, and I guess, being another centre midfielder um, has been enjoyable and, and I guess, one that um, has been easy to transition into. Uh, the flexibility we have with those, I guess, inverted fullbacks allows us to, to really overload certain areas of the pitch, not just centrally, um, which is getting a lot of media attention at the moment. But um, if you watch closely, we, we overload certain other pit, uh, parts of the pitch. And it depends on the opposition and, and, and what they, um, I guess, offer with, with the way they set up. But, you know, for, for myself and I guess any other fullback in our, in our club, it's, it's been about understanding the, the role. Um, it's not as simple as uh, being a, a marauding fullback and being able just to, to, to really you know, roll inside. You have to work at your craft and, and something that, with the, the support we have at, at the city behind the scenes, it gives us the opportunity to, to look at video, to work on things on the training ground. So um, the centre-backs you, you, you touched on there, um, I, I guess with defensive transition, you, you have to try and anticipate. Um, it's not just about um, you know being out of position, but it's also having a reading of the game and, and an understanding of, of, of I guess, um, the, the switch of attacking organisation to defensive organisation. So without sounding, I guess, FFA curriculum style. That's what it's, uh, it's about. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't want to complicate it there, but that's what no, it's about. No, it's good. It's about it good. understanding Very and good. Uh, anticipating, I guess, the I, game, reading the game. I appreciate it. I think there isn't kind of enough talk about uh, these type of things uh, in the football discussion here, at least. No, mm. no, definitely. Uh, I, think, I think you look at 
around the world. You know, you look at punditry and you look at, I guess, Monday Night Football with Gary Neville and Jamie mm-hmm. Carragher and, and people like Thierry Henry and breaking down. And yeah, I guess that's something that, um, you know, we, we lack in this game, the, the, the total breakdown. Yeah, I'd love to see a show like that over here. Always yeah. really fascinating too because, I mean, for those of us that don't know the full intricacies of the game, to hear it spoken about in this way I think is is really quite an educating process for us. And you start to, pardon me, you start to look at the game differently and read it differently. Um, speaking of differently, your role as captain, how did you take to that and what's changed for you personally being thrust into that role? Um, I think it's no secret uh, I'm a... A very vocal person. Um, no, I've, done that. I've, done, I've done that since, um, you know, probably in, in, in mum's belly as such where um, <laughs> I, I could talk underwater. And uh, I've always had an opinion. And, and, and I guess some people uh, along the journey have, have probably taken it the wrong way or, or thought it was disrespectful in the sense of speaking out of turn. But I, I like to think my my kind of moral compass is, is pretty on and, when I speak, um, you know, I like to think that, that it's in a respectful way and, and one that is in the good of the game if we're talking about football. So, you know, throughout the years, um, I said I've always been a person that, that's had an opinion, um, you know, sometimes spoke probably at the wrong time, but most of the time I, I believe what I'm, what I'm trying to, to get across is, is in the best interest of the team. And it came about with, with obviously Warren Joyce um, at the end of my first season at City where, you know, he spoke to me about the captaincy and, um I guess evolving into to someone that you know instead of just being the the person that, that is is driving the team from from afar, it's the, it's the one that's I guess at the front of it. And I guess something I've learned over the years is, is I guess managing characters, managing people as a captain. Uh, not everyone's the same, um, and that's something I've had to to, to really knuckle down with. Um, whether it's players from different countries, uh, different different backgrounds, no one's the same. So to get someone from A to B, uh, it doesn't matter how you get there. You just got to try and get them there and. Uh, there's different ways to, to do that. So it's about managing people but also looking at yourself first and foremost and carrying yourself in a way where, you know, you're working hard and, and, and you're not asking someone to do something you wouldn't do. Mm. Uh, comment coming through via Twitter, AKC1973. Loving your work, Scott. Michael Long, one of our regular viewers here on the World Game Live Jammer, can already see you in the PFA one day. Do you ever think about life after football? I mean, I know you're yeah. chuckling at that and I made the comment that you'd yeah. be great football administration but where do you see yourself you've still got a while yet to go in, in your playing career but what visions do you have for post football yeah no look I've uh, I guess I've always had an interest in, in in staying inside of football and you know for me um I never say never to, to to anything that could come up in the future I guess coaching um probably isn't at the forefront but uh but I um I would never say never but it is something, I guess, the you know the football administration. Um, I've done one or two things online with um, the Johan Cruyff Institute, um, and it's something I've, I've had light conversations with with people inside um, our football club. But um, I guess that's where I'd like to go. Whether I can get there is another question. But it's something that um, I guess I'm taking lighter steps into and, and trying to, to get an understanding and, and speaking to people outside of other sports is, is something I want to do. I want to get an understanding of, of different uh, roles and organisations from, from different sports and then try and bring it into our sport and, and use the knowledge that I have to maybe, as I said, move forward as a, a person inside a, an organisation. Final two questions for you. Oh, here's an alternative via Sam Quattrone uh, on Facebook. Selling cars, good talker. <laughs> there you go. 
potentially be Karifi. If, if if this was on Twitter, I'd probably be a smartass and go back at him because this is a, a professional show. I'll just I'll just laugh. At it. <laughs> professional show, professional show. Who are you kidding? For goodness' sake, uh, Golly, two more. I've got one more question, and then you've got one more question before we say goodbye. Well, we'll just ask a question, uh, A-League memes. Hi, Jomo. Tell us more about Game of Two Halves. How did you get roped into it? For those who don't know, you and Melissa Barbieri are regular team captains on a show yeah. hosted by Simon Hill. It's on uh, YouTube. I think I was on it last week. Um, it was a lot of fun. How did you do Did you do all right? We won. Me and Louise Taffer, we were representing uh, Melissa Barbieri's team, and we, in fact, did win. Um, but I was kind of accosting the referee a lot, a bit like Jamo does uh, in the actual games. So you, know, you got to do what you got to do to win, and we got the win. Well yeah, but tell us about Good it, Jamo. Tell us about it. Yeah, so um, I guess when I was younger, I always thought, you know, uh, I'd love to be a part of, a, a, I guess, a media broadcast role. And as the years went on, I, I saw the media coverage slow down and, and lack, and then, you know, the I guess the, the media kind of um, – got cold away a bit, um, unfortunately. So it's not something I've thought about. But this opportunity came about through Kevin Ayres, who um, over the years I've, I've always had a good relationship with. Um, he brought this idea to me, and, and I guess it was just an enjoyable uh, hour of the of, of the week to, to talk about football, to talk shit, um, <laughs> and really just have, have a laugh. So, yeah, it's, it's a good laugh. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's about football. It's a light heart of football. Simon Hill, uh, myself, and, and Bubs, um, just ripping each other and having a laugh with, with special guests. Sounds like a good treat. And for those of you that haven't listened, it's well worth a listen. Go and check it out, Game of Two Halves. You can download it via your major platforms. Um, my question for you, you missed out on the grand final last year because your partner actually gave birth to your son. It was a massive call for you, massive decision to have to make. But, you know, being a parent myself, I think it's the most important moment to be there for. It's such a special time. And, you know, the women, we all go through having giving birth, but it is really a miracle to be there for your child's mm. birth. But how has becoming a dad changed you? It's a good question, uh, Lewis, because it's something I thought about a couple of weeks ago, and um, I've I've always always seen in articles and and uh, um, reports of, of people saying it's changed them the way they approach the game or the way they do this. It, I'd honestly, I'd say it hasn't changed me that much um, in terms of football. Uh, I guess off the field, you know, it's changed a lot. Um, you know, having a son and and having someone who um, who gets it depends on you is, is something special. So. You know, when it comes to, to football and stuff, yeah, I, I have a lasting memory before I go on the pitch of, of the family and my, my little man. Um, mm-hmm. But I wouldn't say I go into training thinking, you know, I need to, to, to do this for my son. I guess I've always had an attitude of, you know, this is um, a, a, a job as such and, and something that I'm blessed to do and I'll give it everything I've got. So I'd say more off the field and away from football, it's changed me. But with football... I guess it's pleasing to, I guess, have my son. He's not old enough to be able to understand what I do, obviously. But I walked on with with walk, walked on the pitch with him the other week, and, and that was a special moment. So I guess not so much football wise has changed me, but more so um, as a person. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. But we would have to say we're big fans of yours. Don't ever change, Jamo. We love you for how you are. And so do all the fans that have tuned in today saying that you've got a bright future ahead of you. They're wishing Melbourne City all the best. One final word, you are up against the Wanderers. How do you feel about that? Because as we touched on earlier, they are in good form at the moment. What's going to be your biggest challenge when you come up against them? It's going to be a cracker. Um, I think, you know, you look at the Wanderers and, Ever since, I guess, Juki's returned, the, 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 the trajectory that they've uh, gone in has been upwards. And 
you know, we played them, I think, about four weeks ago um, in Western Sydney. And, and for, for me and, and the team, I think it was a, a telling win, um, I, I guess a real confidence win. And you know, since then, they've, they've, they've gone on a, a winning streak. So uh, I respect them a lot. I think it's a, a fantastic club, but I also think it's a, a team that has a lot of firepower. You know, you look at their, their, their forwards, um, Duke, Yaboa, Cox, um, you know, a beanie. And there's firepower there, and it's something that I think um, is a challenge that has come at the perfect time for us. Um, I say that because you know we've had five wins, um, but when you when you're talking about a, a big big game, um, I put Western Sydney in the category. No disrespect to Central Coast, who were first, but you know I, I would have tipped Western Sydney to be at the top uh, prior to the season, and I think that's coming to fruition now. So. It's a great game. It's a Friday night game for us. You know, we've got active fans back in now. So I'd, I'd like to think there's going to be a, a good atmosphere there and, and hopefully a lot of City Blue there. But um, I think it's a great challenge for us, but also a great challenge for them. You know, they've, they've obviously been beaten by us four weeks ago. So it's going to be um, an opportunity for them to, to come at us. But uh, like we've shown the last few weeks, we'll, we'll go straight back at them. Mm. Now, we're really looking forward to that one and we've done a great job of marketing the game in the absence of people who should actually be marketing the game. Damo, always a pleasure to catch up with you, my friend. Please come and say hello to us on the World Game Live again as the season goes on. It's been great to see Melbourne City in fantastic form. You, of course, as their captain. Um, we wish you guys all the very best for the remainder of the season, mate. Thanks for making the time for us today. Always a pleasure, guys. Great work. Thank you. Bravo, Jamo. Bravo, Jamo. And great to see, of course, as we said there, Melbourne City doing so well. Um, we've touched on the A-League. We've had a hell of a lot to get through on this program. I am conscious of the time, although not really because we never like to stick to time. Um, I want to um, just quickly, actually, the UCL quarterfinals draw. I know we don't have much time, but I just the question that I'm asking. So it was announced on Friday, Man City v Dortmund, Porto v Chelsea, Bayern v PSG, Real Madrid v Liverpool. Who are the favourites to progress out of these fixtures? That's all I want to know. We could have been this segment, but I didn't want to stall it because I just want to know. City are the favourites against Dortmund. I think rightfully so. The most informed team in Europe. They look extremely strong. Historically, too, Dortmund always struggle at this level. Exactly. And Dortmund's defence, as good as Haaland is right now, Dortmund's defence is a big worry. All right. Porto, Chelsea. Porto really pulled off a surprise against Chelsea. Chelsea look really good since Tuchel took over. They look absolutely amazing. And Porto, as good as they did knocking out Juventus, they're actually, I think, third or something or second in in the Portuguese league. Sporting is 10 points ahead of them. So I would be hugely surprised if Porto pull off another upset. Chelsea, I think, are going to go through. Chelsea with Tuchel. Chelsea like this. I'm a bit worried they could win the whole thing. Anyway, uh, Bayern, PSG. For me, you still have to say Bayern are favourites. They just have that extra, extra gear that I think they can get to that PSG doesn't seem to be able to, but PSG, I mean, they have the talent. Uh, Neymar, Mbappe, Di Maria, uh, Verratti, you know, they could really do some damage. So that's going to be a hell of a I think we said the same thing, though, coming into the final last year, didn't we? I, I honestly thought that PSG were going to win. Well, I mean, maybe if Neymar pulls out a, you know, the performance of his life like he did against PSG for Barca, anything's possible. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, and then... Real Madrid-Liverpool, this one kills me a little bit because I have no idea because both teams are actually obviously, you know, in the recent years they've been fantastic. They're, you know, both league champions. But this season they've both struggled. They both have their injuries. They both have their issues. I hate Real Madrid, but it's hard to bet against them in the Champions League. They have this extra kind of level that they can often get to in the Champions League. You know, Sergio Ramos has come back. That's a big thing for them. The experience of Modric, Cruz, Benzema – that's going to be crucial. 
Liverpool this season. I mean, you know it better than me, but they've been uh, they've been very toilet, inconsistent. Toilet, just say it. Toilet. Don't spare yeah. my feelings. But say it. It's the, been rough. It's, it's just right. And then so you look at it, you go, well, you know, the who's going to play at centre-back for Liverpool? How's that going to look against someone like Benzema who does know how to expose you? You know, the midfield battle, you think Luka Modric is really going to be able to dictate play. That could be – I'm worried that Real Madrid are going to knock out Liverpool and that's going to absolutely kill me as a pure anti-Madridista. <laughs> but you know what? The thing that does give me confidence is that in the Champions League we actually have been – if I could say, impressive is a strong word, but we have been more solid. And I think we've seen more shades of Liverpool than what we have of them in the domestic competition in the Premier League. So usually there's always this kind of mentality when you're able to switch competitions and get away from it that psychology plays a big role in it and they are are able to start almost afresh. So I'm not entirely ready to ride Liverpool off. I'm always very critical and very honest. So biased. But Real, they also aren't, you know, the, the, the Real that we used to know. Gone are the Galacticos no. days and, um, you know, we're steering down the barrel of a very different era for them, particularly ah. when you look at what's going on in La Liga at the moment. So They're becoming it, the geriatricos, never mind the Galacticos. That's got to be one of your best lines, son. I've got a lot of time for that. Aussies abroad, let's quickly wrap this one up. Rukovica on fire again. The guy can't stop scoring. Stolich, he scores on return from injury. Mabil gets three mm. assists. Bravo, Mabil. And Langerak keeps his fifth straight clean sheet. You and I had a comment, um, or sorry, a conversation, should I say, about Langerak and the comments that um, Schwarzer came out and said mm. with respect to who he sees as the number one. And it is Langerak for the Socceroos at the moment, according to him. What do you think? Yeah, it's interesting. He said, you know, if a game, if we were playing a game in this international break, he thinks Langerak would be starting um, against, uh, starting ahead of Ryan. And, you know, I mean, it's hard to disagree with that. Langerak, five clean sheets in a row. He set the record for clean sheets um, last season. Now, of course, you have to take into consideration that their defense was very, very good. Nagoya, the team he plays for. So, you know, he's not facing the incredible amount of shots. But you contrast this with Matt Ryan, who is not getting game time. I mean, Ryan really hoped that when he moved to Arsenal, we were going to see him at least get game time in the Europa League. That's not really happening. Leno, who is keeps making mistakes, by the way, I'm really hoping that Leno gets dropped. But when I put the question out there to Arsenal fans, I said, if you watch him every week, let me know. Is there a chance that Leno is going to get dropped? Arsenal fans, I'm talking Australian Arsenal fans, were adamant that this Leno wasn't going to get dropped, that Leno's quite a step above Ryan, all this kind of stuff. Well, I don't know. I'd love to see Ryan get a go. But if he's not playing, you've got to start to give Langerak a go. Now, for Arnie, luckily for him, maybe he doesn't have to make that tough decision because, you know, Matty Ryan is, you know, the captain and you don't want to have to drop your captain. But uh, he doesn't have to make that decision because we don't have a game. Yeah, it's really hard, and that's going to feed into the bad news, good news for the week. Please, for those of you still with us on the World Game Live as part of our live stream, it's still great to have your company. If you are just tuning in, welcome. We are about to wrap up the show, but every week we like to end on this note with some bad news and then with a bit of positivity, some good news. But we always love to have you share your versions with us, Stolich. My bad news for the week, you touched on it there, was the fact that we don't have any international games. I saw that Jackson Irvine posted up a a cheeky little picture on Instagram having a very kind of stern look on his face um, saying, and the caption was along the lines of, you know, when there's no international games for the Socceroos. It is really tough being in this situation and I feel the most for Graham Arnold in this situation and his coaching staff who I think would be, I mean, the, the man's already lost a hell of a lot of hair, but he'd be in a situation where I think he'd be virtually bald completely 
now because he has had absolutely zero opportunities in well over a year to work with this team, no thanks to COVID-19. And, of course, the news that the games have been shifted to mid-year would be even more distressing for him because it puts him in a scenario where, again, he's being not give, he's not being given that opportunity to work with this in preparation for what's really important for us, and that's building towards the 2022 World Cup, as well as the uh, the AFC Asian Cup the following year. So, hell of a lot going on there. But that is my bad news, Stolich. What is yours? My bad news comes. Obviously, we've had the floods uh, in New South Wales. They've been terrible. You touched on it earlier in the show, but unfortunately, Hawkesbury City FC. This is their grandstand. So, this is a photo of what it looked like, kind of. More pre- obviously, yeah, pre-flood. And then we'll just get the photo of what it looks like now. So that's the grandstand oh, there. Man. It's been absolutely flooded. I mean, you know, you're talking about like you can't even barely see the top of the grandstand. Uh, the pitch is absolutely flooded. I'd love for the Australian football community to get behind Hawkesbury and any other local football teams in that area or, you know, across any of the flood regions that have been affected. You know, obviously we want to help everyone, but as the football community, let's get around our local clubs. Let's get around if any, you know, players, coaches, volunteers, whatever, if they're in trouble, you know, uh, send through. If you know anyone involved, send us the the GoFundMe page to get the money or whatever resources they need. Um, I think it would be really good if we can help uh, these teams because obviously it's so sad for that local community uh, for many reasons. But, yeah, players won't get to play. And that I know, you know, when I was a kid, that was kind of the most important thing about my weekend. And obviously that will kind of be disrupted for a while now. So hopefully we can get them back on their feet, back playing as soon as possible. It's really unfortunate. Now, hearts go out to everybody there that's been affected by this and extends well beyond the Hawkesbury team. Um, we know that there are a lot of regions now that have been deeply impacted by the horrible weather conditions that we've seen. And although the sun is shining out here in Sydney, it's still not over yet because you've got the cleanup and the recovery phase now to commence. And they can't do that effectively until the water levels go down. And they're not really showing many great signs of doing that in an overwhelming fashion. So it's really, really rough for everyone. Um, some more bad news. As I mentioned, Mike Long is in a Greens bad news. No Socceroos game still or camp. Jets form, Murray McKean said. Yeah, it's been tough, as we said, for the Novocastrians. We hope that there are brighter times ahead for you guys, but it's been a, a certainly a, a rough old season. But it was a rough beginning into the season. The fact that you, you know, you lost your head coach in the in amidst all of that drama and scandal. It's just not set the tone, but hopefully, and that's why I want to know, I want to put the question out there. What are the APL, the owners that have banded together to take responsibility for this football club? What are they doing? We know they've got a lot on their plates, but this football club deserves your time and attention. If you are going to take responsibility for it, share your vision with us. We'd like to know A-League memes. Bad news, Riley Dobson's early retirement. And um, and you hear a lot about this in the women's space too, don't you, Stolly Chum? And we've heard about some young players even in the men's game retiring young because of issues with social media or whatnot, but it's never good to hear about a player retiring early from the game. And, and, and potentially when you think about the fact that maybe that there isn't a strong enough pathway for them financially, um, they don't see it as a viable long-term career, that's when it's the most gut-wrenching. Yeah, I mean, I'll have to fully read the article because I believe it's from Joey Lynch and he was saying that um, I think it's her partner got cancer and uh, yeah. she's uh, retiring to look after the partner. So I don't know the full story, but it's very, very sad. Um, and we've had her on the show. She speaks wonderfully, wonderful, wonderful player as well. So, yeah, that is some very uh, sad news. Very, very sad news. Katie, by you, bad news is Raw slide down the table. What the hell has happened to Brisbane Raw? They were going through this great 
patch where we thought that, wow, they're looking incredible and they're actually a, a dark horse because not many people were talking about how great they were doing and now we've just seen this massive slip. It's really quite sad. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think to me, it's, it's Scott McDonald went out. Scott McDonald was the key linchpin to all yeah. their attack. His movement made space for Dylan Wenzel Halls. His movement made space for Danzaki. That was a wonderful combination. And uh, I think that was one of the issues or the big issue. Michael on good news. Pushka statue plaque is back at Amy Park. Yes. And Stolich, this was a conversation we had on TWG Live many, many weeks, if not months ago, about this and the state of it, which had been reduced to virtually tatters because they weren't taking good care of it. But this is some good news worth celebrating. But what is your good news also for the week to end on a positive note? My good news, and listen, I, I, I bring them up too much, but Barca winning 6-1 against Real Sociedad away. We used to go, we had like the worst record at Real Sociedad Stadium. We used to go, that was the only place we couldn't win. We'd go to Real Madrid. And broadcast here. Yeah, no, 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 don't, don't be ending no broadcast, all right? We used to go to Real Madrid, smash them all the time in the Bernabeu, 5-0, 6-2, whatever. That was easy. We could never win uh, when we played a Real Sociedad, but boom, did we absolutely give them the business. Some of the goals are works of art. We need to absolutely celebrate them. Messi's looking good. Uh, Pedri's looking good. Dembele's looking good. This is absolutely amazing. Even even um, Busquets is looking good. Uh, Busquets for so long wasn't looking good. But come on, Luis, I know, I know you're sick of me having to go at Barca, but can we just have a look at some of these goals? It's absolutely works of art. Look at this one. Look at this one from uh, Busquets uh, to Messi. Oh, are you still talking about Barca? Sorry, I just had a nap. It's so good. It's so oh, I love it. My team is back. You know what? Can we make a, a kind of blanket ban? You're not going to be on the show with us next week, but the following week, can we issue you a challenge yeah. to not mention Barca? Can we? All right, I'll mention high class art. Forget Da Vinci. Forget <laughs> Picasso. Look at this play. Ping, pum, boom. Oh, God, any fancy wants to talk about Barca, but you know what? I'm the host of the show. I'm going to pull the pin on this. I've had enough of talking about Barca. It's great to see them scoring goals, but come on, come on. I'm going to issue you that challenge. The following week. No good news involving Barca, unless Messi resigns, and then the whole show is going to be. I reckon they will make your your bad news good news, but it won't be in the good news category, unfortunately. That's my that's my prediction. I'm prophesizing here, but I don't know that he's going to be re-signing with that club. I'll be shocked, in fact, if he does, right? My good news um, is two-pronged. The, the announcement, of course, of this landmark broadcast deal that's occurring uh, with the FAWSL, I think it's just huge. We heard Sam Lewis talk about it earlier. If you missed her on the show, she's always fantastic. Go and listen to it. She says a lot of poignant things about what this could potentially mean for the W League as well. I'm hopeful, I'm optimistic, but I'm not necessarily hanging my hat on it because I know we've got a host of changes to be made within the Australian women's domestic competition before we can even start thinking about what goes on with broadcast and if it's potentially worth bundling it up in a separate package. Um, but it's also two-pronged because the good news is also that they broke that record. Um, congratulations. Um, we've already you know, given them a lot of commendations, but Adelaide United, what we saw there with them breaking that record is that when you really start to pursue aggressive marketing and get behind your product and start to campaign for people to get 
get to the games and watch them, you will get crowds turning up. And this is what the most crucial and critical takeaway from this is, is that we now know that when you start to market these games, that people will stand up and take notice. So I wish all the very best to the three executives that have been appointed uh, to the APL staff. They're now with the sole responsibility of marketing the game and, and, and forging commercial relationships because I think it's hugely important and it's something that the game and the product, the players, the fans, all of us who love the game are crying out for. So that is my good news for the week. I think we can end it on that note, though, Stolich. It's been a massive show, probably up to this one yet, an hour and 45 minutes. This is supposed to be an hour-long program, but, guys, we do it every week. We can't help ourselves. We love talking about the game. There was, of course, so much to talk about for a lot of the stories that we have discussed. Please head to the World Game website. That is your one-stop shop, your one-stop destination for all things football-related, both domestically and internationally. Big thanks to our guests, Sam Lewis, women's football expert, Scott Jackson, Melbourne City captain, and, of course, Western United star Dylan Perez. As I said earlier, if you've missed any of this, you can watch the show later on uh, on demand, which is always a handy tool to have. Michael Long, thanks, guys. Great show as always. You'll never walk alone, Liverpool, back at Istanbul. Let's hope we could repeat potentially the heroics that we did in Istanbul that night. Um, Scotty Lynch, this is for the show. Fantastic. There. Thank you, guys. It's really, really a pleasure to catch up with you every week. That's why we do this show. Make sure you catch up with us again. Nick Stoll is on Can I just say... Eduardo Andres, he's commenting, saying top show. Muchas gracias, Eduardo. But you said just like five minutes before, time flies as you go, shit, i got to go pick up the kids. Lol, lost track of time. Eduardo, man, go pick up your kids. Forget this show. You can get it on catch-up. It's on YouTube. It's on Twitter. It's on Facebook. We can podcast it. Go get your kids. Bless him. Bless him, Eduardo. We love having your company on the show every week, mate. One of our loyal viewers, Vince Pell, thoroughly enjoyable. Thank you, Vince. We also enjoy chatting to you on our program. To all of our regular viewers and for those of you that may have perhaps joined on for the first time, come back again from Australian Eastern Daylight Time, 1pm next Wednesday. Myself and a special guest co-host, while Stolich is on his sojourn in Melbourne next week, will be joining you as well as a slew of other special guests. Stolich, have a great time on your leave, my friend. I will miss you next week. He's driving and still listening to the show. Pay attention to the road. Go get your kids. Katie, buy your perfect show. We love you, Katie. Thanks so much for your company as always. We remember you, Katie. And the fact that you were our special winner um, when we gave away Foz's book that time. We never forget our fans here. And we love your company, guys. But on behalf of myself, Nick Stoll, and the entire team at the World Game, it's goodbye for now. And we'll see you again very soon. Ciao for now.